Hi, Joe here. I finally have this week's episode. It took a hot second for me to get out. I was originally planning on doing a different story, but then that fell through. I got distracted. I never ended up finishing it. So I started a new one this yesterday morning and pumped that out. I tried to get this done and recorded yesterday. Didn't quite work. Um, but I managed to spend most of today doing it with what free time I had. It ended up being a spooky story, which uh, the other story I was writing wasn't spooky, but what came to me yesterday apparently wanted the spooks. So I've got some spooks. I, I drew from some Irish folklore and also incorporated a lot of music and sound effects, um, which I haven't done for a hot second. Normally I only throw like two or three tracks and I did multiple tracks and multiple sound effects in this one, so I like it. I'm surprised at how long and how nice it sounded, so I hope you get spooked and enjoy the Sawin Chase. Connor stepped up to the doorframe to his small hut. Exhausted by the day's festivities, which had called a close to summer and welcomed winter. He smiled to himself as he opened the door, warmed by the recent memory of his thrilling dance with the fair-haired Rasheen during the county pageant earlier in the day. She'd eyed him across the square, drinking with his mates, and had confidently strided across as the musicians were tuning their instruments curtsying before him in an attractive way, requesting he depart from his fellows and take her on a spin around the court. He was about to refuse in surprise, caused not by some abject terror of women, but his own insecurity of Rasheen's magnetic personality, radiant beauty, and his feelings for her, which had developed quite rapidly over the past year whenever he saw the Sligo girl across the green on these thrilling fair nights. Before he could answer with courage or otherwise, his friend O'Malley shoved him forward, and as if waiting for his step as its cue, a fiddle began chirping out the star of the county down, and Connor swore that he was dancing with the melody's star, Rose McCann, rather than that of Rasheen, for they felt so alike in harmony and grace. As the players finished the tune, he and Rasheen released their hands from one another and took a step back, breathing heavily in gleeful exhaustion. He glanced around and found that only a few dancers had chanced to come in and join them in their whirl of a dance. Most onlookers had stood back and watched with delight at the autumn romance unveiling before their eyes, not least of which Rogine's own parents, who were happy to see their fine daughter show interest in somebody, she having reached the age of 20, with up until now nary a scant interest in any man in all the county. Connor smiled to himself yet again, feeling the mirth of the night seep over him from his fingers down to his toes like strong puccine. He closed and latched the door to his small home and took off the muddy boots on his feet, slick and slopping from his trek across the muckered roads and fields leading to his home. As a lad, Connor hadn't expected much of a future for himself, but by some stroke of luck, his father had managed to win them several acres of land from an English lord near Ballantrillic, which allowed the two, Connor and his father, to gain some minor improvement in their lives, 
pulling them out of the slums they had been living in up until that point. The English lord had been kindly and did not begrudge his father his victorious hand, a rare trait in comparison to the other English Connor had seen and met over the span of his 22 years. Connor's father had passed on the eve of Samhain a year ago today, a fact which brought tears to the eyes of his son, who now sat slumped against the table, holding his mother's locket, a gift from his father while lying on his deathbed. Although a good bit of time had passed, the memory of the loss cut like a blade and usually resulted in long painful nights and very little sleep. He got up from the table and reached to the top of the cabinet beside the fireplace, grasping onto the spout of a bottle well hidden behind some trinkets of his father's. He pulled down a glass bottle with a cork stopper, borrowed from a whiskey long since consumed, now rescued for this new beverage. He unstoppered the bottle and stared at the foul liquor swirling within, dark as ink in the unlit home, like the cursed brew which had befouled the eye of that old demon Baylor, bringing death and destruction wherever it gazed. Connor brought the bottle to his lips and tilted it back, tears welling at his eyes as the Puchin hit his tongue and swallowing hard as the liquor made its way down his throat, setting it aflame with its strength and ferocity. This he did a few more times. With each swallow, it grew more bearable and more friendly, like a gnarled, angry hound who at time comes to befriend and love its master. Connor felt his head begin to sway of its own free will and chanced to stand, but fell back down again into the chair as the floor below him revealed itself to rock like that of a ship in dark, stormy waters. He thought again of his night with Rasheen, and the smile on his face grew wide, and he belted out the lyrics to star of the county down with exuberance, reliving the dance and the shuffle countless times, unaware of the time of night or the passing hours. Alone in his little hut, in a swath of fields isolated from his nearest neighbor, this little home transformed from a little wooden shack to a great festivity hall draped with colored banners and flair, tables of feasting food and a great band of musicians. He danced with his lovely Rasheen in magnificent royal cloaks upon great timbers of yew, friends' eyes alight and awash with appreciation, cheering on the two lovers in their gay, swaying trance of a dance, mirth dripping from the room like wax from a melting candle. In these creative fancies, sleep overcame Connor, flawlessly flowing from imagination to dreams, his rickety chair now a throne in this magnificent hall devoted to the Samhain festival, his Rose McCann by his side. In this way he slept for a brief time, unaware of the growing unease stirring the air outside his home, warmed skin unfeeling of the prickly cold frosting the grass at the moors outside the door, driving levity from the chirps of the insects, and fear taming the beasts of the night who now fled and cowered in their holes as a strange darkness settled over the lands of his father. In the night as silence lay across the meadows, wet and cold, a sudden scream, bizarre and mournful, rung out in the echoes of some great steepled bell, shattering the still air. The scream reverberated off of every blade of grass and shifted the air, bringing the wind to heel. Traveling with purpose and power, it struck against the home of Connor Doyle with invisible force, seeping in through every shingle, crack, and keyhole, hitting the eardrum of the sleeping Connor and rocking him from his homely festival lodge, rising him with a sudden alarm and terror. 
staggering him to his feet. He barely had time to catch himself, still very drunk with his celebratory evening escapade, Puccine filling his brain and stomach. The sound of the wail still hung on the air, and his blood froze, feeling its ethereal presence, arm and neck hair standing on end, electrified by the supernatural squall. He stumbled forward to the shuttered windows and peeked out through the warped glass and saw, there on the road, on the end of his property, a black, dreadful cart drawn by two onyx steeds, the dark driver and a single human female slung by its side. Fear suddenly replaced by sloppy liquid courage, Connor turned and grabbed two pistols lying on the cabinet beside his table, already loaded with hammers up his grandfather's from a bygone time and war. He stomped out of the house to challenge the fearful rider who had awoken him from his night fantasies, unfeeling of the unusual stillness in the night, mind clouded by dreams of gaiety and liquor. His bare feet crunched over the frozen grass and he called out to the dark rider a challenge. In response, he heard only laughter, which for a moment struck his heart and froze his veins with its shrill nature. Before he could call out again, the cart turned and began to head away from his home, in the direction of Cliffany, north of his lands. Angry, unafraid, filled with false bravado and liquid courage, Connor snorted to himself and decided he would give chase to the stranger who had so rudely aggrieved his sleep. He went inside and quickly threw his boots back on, then sidled over to the shed by his home where his old horse Ferdia resided. A Connemara pony, yet another trophy won by his father. And although Ferdia wasn't the best for plowing lands, his father and he had pride in owning such a beautiful gelding. Connor had spent many of his teen days learning to ride the graceful gray horse, which now looked toward him with tired but fierce eyes. Connor brought Ferdia out from the shabby stable and saddled onto his back, feeling the familiarity of Ferdia between his legs, confident in his ability, however drunk he felt now. Ferdia smelled the air and almost reeled back, but he was a strong, brave old horse and instead trusted in his rider, choosing instead to challenge the still frosty air surrounding him. Connor spurred Ferdia forth, unable to see the dark driver in its cart, but still able to hear the sound of hoofs and the wheels grating over the earth, unaware that such a sound under normal circumstances would surely be impossible. Ferdia sped across the moors and quickly gained line of sight on the foreboding cart ahead, which had apparently leisurely pulled north at a slow trot, as if awaiting pursuit by the angry Connor. As Ferdia gained on the rider, Connor began to make out the details of the nightmarish cart. Leather or skin stretched over the outside of it like canvas over a frame, while residing inside the cart was a jumbled mess of pottery, urns, a single large casket, and other odd funerary items surrounded by lit candles, whose flames remained lit and high, irregardless of the movements of the cart or the wind whipping past. Dread began to creep over Connor's heart, and he need only glance at the bone-spoked wheels rumbling on at the side of the cart to remember the dark tales his old gran used to tell him regarding many mythical creatures of Ireland, which he had always regarded as nothing more than scary tales to keep children from running out at night. Just as he was about to match the speed of the rider and gaze at the face of his opponent, it veered away from him and sped up at a faster pace, quickly outdistancing Connor. In that moment, he faltered, unsure if he should pursue. 
and then he caught sight of the second occupant, seated beside the dark rider, bare hair blowing in the breeze. Her head turned and Connor caught the eye of his lady love, Rasheen. As their eyes met and recognition sparked, her eyes widened in fear. She opened her mouth and a horrific bellow echoed forth, matching that of the scream which awoke him from his slumber but moments before. He and Ferdia's hearts fumbled for a moment, caught in terrific surprise by the sudden yell, but anger quickly burned through the terror. Connor steeled his blood and spurred Ferdia forth to an even greater speed. He had seen the alarm and tears resting on the eyes of his beautiful dance partner. Further north, the two rode, matching tempo. Ferdia hot on the trail of the dark horses which bumped the cart along, never quite able to make rank with a rider in its nightmarish goods. Seconds turned to minutes, minutes which seemed to stretch on and on. To his right, Connor caught sight of a town, a few lights aglow in the fog, but most were dark, their hour being so late. He looked back towards his opponent and fired a shot from one of his pistols, hoping to scare the driver and stop this deadly race. He fired wide, afraid of hitting his Rasheen if by chance his aim was not true. Neither the rider nor its horses slowed. Instead, they seemed to grow faster and outpace Ferdia, who, although mighty and brave, was still old, a shadow of his youthful self. Connor's courage did not sway, and he imagined his Rasheen in his arms. He imagined the farm he hoped to develop in the coming years, and the home he would create for a family. Spurned on by lingering Puccine and Gusto, he pushed Ferdia on, ignoring the rolling cloud bank forming at their feet, masking the earth below. He caught sight of Castle Classibon on his left, but the landmark didn't send any warnings to his brain. He was too blind with anger and distress for his Rasheen, kidnapped by this creature of fright. Ahead, the driver of the cart came to a stop, pulling the horses and cart to the side as if to watch Connor's approach and agree to a duel finally. Gritting his teeth, Connor's suspicions were true as he caught sight of the head lying in the arms of the Dullahan confirming the identity of his horrific opponent. The head jeered back at Connor in mock amusement, pockmarked, white, deathly face wound up in a cruel grin, headless body holding it as a person does a package at their side. Connor rode swiftly on the back of Ferdia and whipped his pistol up to the creature to fire a shot directly at its ugly temple. Before firing, he looked toward the passenger and swallowed as a lump of dread seized his throat now realizing his great error that night. The guise of his Rasheen fell from the form of the passenger, revealing that of a spindly, nightmarish woman who looked back at Connor with a dark smile. She then opened her mouth and bellowed out one final shrill call, a shriek which would have frozen Connor and Ferdy in place, if not for the land which had disappeared beneath their feet. That devilish fog bank's purpose revealed Connor, in his last moments, as he plummeted off the edge of the cliffs of Mulligmore with Ferdia, were only of his Rasheen, and the final dance they'd had together that lovely evening before. Those few who had been awake in the early hours of that Salwyn holiday cowered in their beds and hid from the windows, as they heard the third and final cry of the Banshee echo over the hills, meadows, and fields of County Sligo outside Mulligmore. They feared they would be its victim and its call pretensed their demise. In the morning, they found Connor and Ferdia crumpled at the base of the cliffs 
and their heads hung low with sorrow for his loss, but they did not envy his fate.